The text for the message this morning is 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. It's on page 225 in the Pew Bible. After Samuel was given to the Lord, we read in 1 Samuel 2, verse 1, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king, and exalt the horn of his anointed. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that last, the last words there, verse 10, the last words of verse 10, make it clear that Hannah's desire was for an anointed king. When we, when we understand that the word anointed is a translation of the word Messiah or Christ, we could see that she was longing for the king the Lord had already promised in Deuteronomy chapter 17. She was longing for our Lord Jesus Christ who would be born in the line of King David. We get to 2 Samuel 22. When David reached the end of his life, he recognized that he was the first answer to Hannah's prayer. And so in his song, he echoed Hannah's words in another song, which concluded with the words, Great salvation he brings to his king, and he shows his steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. By mentioning his offspring forever, the spirit of the Lord who was speaking through David further revealed that the Lord had promised to bring the Messiah, the Christ, 
who had been promised in Genesis 3 through David's line. Many years later, fast forward again, when David's descendant Mary was told she would be the mother of the Son of the Most High, to whom the Lord would give the throne of his father David, she too would echo the words of Hannah's prayer as she rejoiced in the Lord's mercy towards those who fear him from generation to generation. Well, today we know who that Messiah is, and he is Christ Jesus, our Lord, the Son of God who took on our human nature to bring salvation to everyone who believes in him. These connections show us that Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2 serves as a revelation to God's people, to the church, about who our Messiah is, what he is, what he is like, what we can expect from him when we face opposition and, and, and uh, opposition from the devil and his servants. When we feel weak, when we feel overwhelmed, we can find comfort in the theme of Hannah's song that the holy and sovereign God showed his grace to the humble who trust in him by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to bring salvation. We continue to celebrate God's grace in sending his son to save us from the punishment that we deserve as he reverses the fortunes of those who put their trust in him. I preach this gospel under the theme, Hannah's prayer reveals the Lord's plan to raise up his anointed king. Hannah's prayer reveals the, the anointed king. We'll see that the Lord rejects the haughty and exalts the humble. If you have Hannah's song in front of you, you can see that her song emphasizes the Lord's work in the world through the faithful remnant in the time of the judges. Hannah and Elkanah had prayed in, in chapter 123 that the Lord would establish his word. And then after Samuel was dedicated to the Lord, Hannah praised the Lord in her prayer for the Lord's mighty hand in their lives. In our text, you can see that she starts off speaking of my heart, my horn, my mouth, and my enemies, and then your salvation. That reference to God's salvation is a key theme in our text. Hannah rejoices at her place in God's plan, but she makes it very clear that it is the Lord's salvation. Hannah's prayer reveals many wonderful things about the Lord that will always comfort us when we are concerned about the well-being of the church. Although we may lose sight of God's work in the world, or raise ourselves up against God in our pride, or put God to the side as we decide for ourselves how we will live our lives, the Lord is an unchanging, holy rock of refuge who is powerful to fulfill his plan and his promises. Rather than focusing on the, the cuteness of, of the child or the baby like so many Christmas carols do, the Holy Spirit leads Hannah to pray a Christmas prayer that is focused on the Lord as a holy judge who weighs actions, 
with power to punish those who resist him with covenant curses. So based on the Lord's mighty work in her life, Hannah praises the Lord in, in verse 2. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. The theme of, of holiness of God pervades the thought of God's people when they celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, that holiness that speaks of his complete and absolute uniqueness, separation from everything that he has created, not only in his moral purity, but also in his very nature. The only words we have to describe our holy God are the words that he has given to us, his eternity, his justice, his almighty power, his unchangeable unity, is a guarantee of his unique sovereignty over the entire universe. As Hannah says in verse 8, and, and we see, read in verse 8, for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. There is none like the creator of heaven and earth who has made us as his own people and who thunders in heaven against the proud and the rebellious. The Spirit leads us to, to reflect and think upon the holiness and the justice of God when we hear of the birth of his son in Bethlehem. For it's in that contrast between the, who the Lord is and in his holy might and who we are as undeserving sinners that we really see the depth of his mercy toward his church. We begin to understand what that incarnation really was. His holiness does not mean that he is far away. For we read the same holy God is a, is a rock. And when the faithful run to him for refuge and salvation, like David repeatedly said in the first verses of chapter 22, when the faithful run to him, they find a, a heavenly father in holiness with his arms open to guard the feet of the faithful ones from their wicked adversaries. As we read in chapter 2, verse 9. And Hannah then prays this holy God is, is a God of knowledge. By him, actions are weighed. We, we understand where we stand before the holy God. He, he sees right into our lives. He sees right into our hearts. And as Hannah speaks of the knowledge of God, she's expressing her trust in the Lord, who is judge of, of all the earth. He knows all things. And so Hannah praises the Lord, together with the church of all ages, for his faithfulness to his word, to punish those who reject his grace and mercy. And then Hannah uses words of the covenant curses that can be found in Leviticus 26. You see that in verses 6 and, and 7, where he speaks of the Lord killing and bringing down to Sheol, that's to, to death's door, referring to a serious illness or critical danger. The Lord making poor and bringing low. The Lord who knows the situation of his people, who weighs their deeds, who, who knows their actions. 
He also brings death and its, con and its consequences when we, when we persist in sin against him. And as we pray along with Hannah in praise of God's glorious name, we recognize how these same words are a call to every one of us to bow before him in humility. Something else to think of on Christmas Day when we think about the birth of our Lord Jesus. He is a holy God of justice who knows everything that we are doing, who will bring the proud and the arrogant to, to their knees in humble submission when he punishes them for rebellion. We see that warning come out also and as we think of what God did on Christmas Day, if we are living in, in a self-sufficient pride, or if we believe that we don't really need the Lord to save us from anything, the warning is clear. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. The enemies of God speak in arrogance. Those who reject his rule, who seek deliverance on their own strength, they're opposing God. They will not stand. In a world that is filled with lawlessness, with everyone doing what is right in their own eyes, that assurance of God's holiness and his justice is a great comfort for the church. The imbalance and the persecution of the faithful will not continue forever. Hannah's prayer reveals that God will respond to arrogance by humiliating the proud in order to give a place to the humble and the meek. And it's striking that in our text, we see this switching, this reversal of the fortunes of the two sides. Those who had, have had food before are now without food. Those who had many sons are now pining away. The winners become the losers, and the losers become the winners. When the pauper becomes the prince, there are not two princes, but also the prince becomes a pauper. There's a, a reversal. We're reminded of what our Lord teaches in Proverbs 3 that's quoted by Peter and James. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And that justice that Hannah was, was longing for, that justice that we long for when we reflect on, on the birth of the Son of God on, on Christmas Day is revealed in the work of God, in the King of justice and righteousness, Jesus Christ. And you can see why so many of the songs that point to Christ's birth around Christmas also speak of his righteousness, his justice. In Hannah's prayer, the Lord reveals that deliverance is only through his gracious work in our lives. The holy God touching down in, in our fallen world with the gospel. And when he does that, he, he doesn't do that in the way we might expect from such a powerful and holy God. He doesn't do it through, through the, the powerful and, and through politics, but he does it through the humility and meekness of his people. Paul writes about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 to 29. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world 
to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. We see that the second point, the Lord exalts the humble. God brings salvation through the faithful service of the humble who believe in him, who put their trust in him, who, who make him their Lord, their master in their lives. The Lord uses the dependent, not the mighty and the capable and human eyes. He uses those who, who bow before him in, in confession of their sins, recognizing his holy majesty. This is one of the, the main points of wonder that, that Hannah expresses in her prayer when she saw how greatly the Lord had favored her among all the women in the world. My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. The word exalt with a U means rejoice. And the word exalt with an A means to be lifted up in honor. The horn of an animal is the sign of his strength. And in contrast to the horn that is cut off to the shame of the animal, when your horn is exalted, it means that you experienced a significant and visible elevation in your worth and dignity and, and well-being. The Lord's intervention in Hannah's life made it clear to Hannah that all those disparaging remarks that her rival wife and all the enemies of the Lord had made, those remarks were not true. Hannah is not a worthless woman. And the Lord who was with her when she prayed to him could see that. She was, in fact, greatly favored by the Lord, her rock. This understanding brought great joy to Hannah's heart. It shows also that losing a sense of God's favor brings such sorrow. But here she could see the Lord, the holy God, reaching into her life. And so the Holy Spirit directs us to turn to the Lord, consider how the Lord looks upon us, find our identity in, in his work in our lives. When we want to get a truly want to truly get a sense of who we are. We don't need to fall into the trap of finding our worth and our value in, in the things that we have done or the things that we can do or, or the way others think about us. The divine confirmation of Hannah's value brought a desire to Hannah's heart to also tell her enemies that they were despising the person, Hannah, whom God had honored. You see how the Holy Spirit leads us to confront the lies with the message of God's grace in our lives. This display confirming we are holy in his sight, his children. In the same way that Hannah marveled in her place in God's plan to bring the anointed king to the world, we can marvel at God's grace to every one of us who may share in the work of the king that he sent, Jesus Christ. It's another Christmas thought. 
You see the manger, you see the Son of God as a little baby. You think of the holiness of God, the justice of God, how he is, he is completely different and yet here among us. And you can see that he also shows us that he sent his Son for us who believe in him. A divine confirmation of our value and worth before the Lord. In spite of all the, the weakness we can see in our lives, in spite of all those things that come to our minds that we have done wrong against the Lord and against our, our neighbor, those things we confessed together when we again heard the commandments, he has come to us as we humbly confess our sins. He has come to us with grace and with mercy that far exceeds our, our own sinfulness. The mercy of God that Hannah longed for was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. And when we turn to him, we see his mercy filling our lives, giving joy to our hearts. The theme in Hannah's prayer, we could see, has strong ties with the song of Mary in the gospel in Luke chapter 1. Mary's song, if you have that in front of you, it's Luke chapter 1, 46 to 55. You can see that she too praises the Lord for the privilege of being chosen as a highly favored instrument in God's hand. She too is surprised that the Lord should look upon her low estate. She too rejoices that the Lord works salvation in a surprising way, not through the, the mighty and the powerful, not through the, the high priests, but through the lowly Virgin Mary, who was pledged to be married to a carpenter. The complete salvation which Hannah's song only hinted at, Mary would see with her own eyes when she gave birth to the Lord's anointed king, who was the Son of God, his humble origins and his birth are not a shame, but they are a testimony that he is truly the, that gift that God had promised. He has his place in the kingdom of God as an instrument. Indeed, as Mary said, the proud are scattered. The rulers are brought down, but the humble are lifted up. The one born in a manger in a world of sin was the one to whom the Lord would give strength and power and glory and honor forever and ever as he reigns from heaven on his holy throne. That which Hannah was, was desiring by the Spirit in her heart is, is what the Lord has given to us in Jesus Christ. He too was anointed, the Christ, to be our eternal king, to be on that throne from generation to generation and he has received all authority in heaven and on earth he ascended into heaven he sits at the right hand of God the, the testimony of God's love for his church and his power God has placed all things under the feet of our Savior who is head over everything for the church God has strengthened his king and exalted the horn of his anointed so that we may live with the praise song of Revelation 5, verse 13 on, on our lips. 
the response song to Hannah's prayer, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The Lord's anointed King has received strength. This is good news for everyone who put their trust in him. That hand that brought the covenant curses upon the proud and the arrogant is also the hand that, that brings God's covenant blessings to the humble and submissive who receive life instead of being killed, being raised up instead of brought down to Sheol, made rich instead of poor, and exalted to a higher place instead of brought low. The kingdom of heaven is all about God raising up the poor from the dust, the needy from the ash heap, so that we may sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. All this through that humbling of the Son of God. May God help us to recognize in Jesus Christ the complete fulfillment of the deliverance prophesied by Hannah. It's only through this king who suffered on the cross for our sins and humility that we receive deliverance and eternal life. He bore the covenant curses of death and sheol and humiliation for us and in our place so that in him we might be lifted up and enthroned as noble citizens of God's eternal kingdom forever. These are the thoughts in our minds when we consider the birth of the Son of God. This is who we are today in Christ. Thanks to that baby God sent. May we live as a people who rejoice in our anointed king. In our text, the Lord reveals that those who dedicate their lives to the Lord's saving work in Jesus Christ will, will be Christ followers. They will be humble and submissive before the Lord, for the Lord continues to work in the world through his, his church in Christ. Our exaltation in God's sight and his kingdom comes through submission and humble service. So our Lord Jesus, when he came, when he lived, when he walked on the earth, when he, when he taught us, he calls us to walk with him through that shame in the eyes of the world to the glory of the heavenly kingdom, which is given us as a blessing of the covenant that Christ has obtained for us. And so the Lord Jesus taught us how to live, didn't he? You could think of the Beatitudes, who are the blessed. The blessed are those who are poor in spirit. That means they're, they're dependent completely on the Lord. Those who are mourning for their sins, seeking comfort in, in the Lord. Those who are meek, who will inherit the earth. He further confirmed that greatness in the kingdom of heaven looks like serving others in self-sacrificial love. Just as he had washed the feet of his disciples and then given his own life as a sacrifice for our sins. The Lord's saving work 
The Lord's work in the world and in the church is visible among the humble who walk into a room and don't just take the, the best seats as if they deserve it first of all, taking honor for themselves. They are those who humbly accept that any honor shown to them must be a gift of God's grace. The Lord exalts the humble by bringing us into his family as adopted children for whom Christ died, where we can deny ourselves and take up the cross, the consequences of following Christ, and follow our King into glory. So we see in Hannah's prayer the description of who we are today, who the church is, where God is working in the world. The wicked and the strong in this world will serve the devil trying to crush the church. You can live in the assurance that your holy, almighty rock is on your side. He sustains us so that what the world considers powerless is really greatness in God's sight. His grace is evident in everything we do. Every Christmas again, we can pray with Hannah, my heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. The Holy Creator has guarded the feet of his faithful ones through his anointed King, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is exalted to glory, who judges the ends of the earth. And we can pray that we might walk with him as humble servants who are exalted in his kingdom. Amen. We'll now sing together a psalm that has very similar themes to the prayer of Hannah, rejoicing in the incomparable greatness and holiness of God and also his mercy to and through the humble. Psalm 113, and we'll sing stanzas two and three standing if you're able to stand. Thank you. 